0: Hey everyone, it is Nick Bradley here. Welcome to another episode of Scale-Up. And this week, we are gonna be talking about everyone's favorite topic, and that topic is taxes. Yes, I said taxes. And to be specific, we're talking about tax laws. Now, I hear you, you're probably thinking, oh, this is gonna be the most boring episode of Scale-Up ever. But let me leave you with this thought. Any time that you can learn how to put more money in your pocket, particularly when we're going through so much economic uncertainty, surely that is something that you wanna learn more about. Well, that is exactly what we're gonna get into today because my guest is world-renowned tax expert, Tom Wheelwright. Now he's the CEO of WealthAbility. He's written an amazing book called Tax-Free Wealth. He's even an advisor to Robert Kiyosaki as well as an international speaker. And he's famous for making tax, not just understandable, but also fun. And you'll see when we get into the conversation today that he absolutely delivers on that. So here are some of the things that we cover. Firstly, how can you transform accounting and the accounting profession? Because it's definitely changing and evolving as the world is changing. Uh, We talk about how you or we as entrepreneurs can optimize our accountants, our financial advisors, and develop a better relationship with them. And here's an interesting one. We talk about maximizing tax efficiency to build wealth. Now, I promise from the outset, anytime we can learn about putting more money in our pocket, that is definitely important, certainly for me. If you wanna pay
1: no tax, I, I can solve that for you really easily, but that's not really what you're trying to solve. You're trying to solve how do I have a more cash available to put back into my business, for example.
0: We talk about money mindset and how Tom himself has managed to deal with you know, different things around wealth. And we finally get into his new book, which is called The Win Win Wealth Strategy, which is available now for you to purchase.
1: If you're creating your, the wealth directly, you're gonna make a much higher return than you're, if you're investing with somebody else, right? You, you buy at the factory versus buying wholesale versus buying retail, different prices. So what price do you wanna pay? What price do you wanna get? on your return. So it's, it's a very simple formula. It's not that hard. It's just sitting down with an advisor who actually, you know, cares about you and wants to walk you through it.
0: So as I said from the outset, this may not be on face value, a topic that we all want to talk about, but I can tell you what, you're going to have a lot of fun in this episode and you are going to learn a hell of a lot too. So without further ado, welcome to Scale Up with Nick Bradley, Mr. Tom Will hey everyone it's nick bradley here welcome to another episode of scale up Ah, uh, this is a topic that you're going to love today guys absolutely love it because the topic with a drum roll is taxes god can you feel can you feel the energy just drop a little bit tom
1: <laughs> that <laughs> deadly silence out there i have with me today
0: Hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm joking around, of course, we're not just going to talk about taxes, we're going to talk about wealth, actually, we're going to talk about wealth in the context of how you manage your estate, your taxes, all that sort of stuff, because with me today is the world's number one expert on this stuff, Mr. Tom Wilwright. So, Tom, welcome to the show.
1: Great to be here with you, Nick. Thank you.
0: Now. We are going to talk a little bit about your new book, but we're also going to talk about um, tax strategies, wealth creation strategies across um, a couple of different countries. We'll focus, I think, on the UK and the US for our audience. But before we get into that, can we just hear a little bit about your story so uh, my audience can get to know you?
1: Yeah, sure. So I I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. I was a good Mormon boy and spent two years uh, learning how to get rejected in French. In, i just uh, got back
0: from salt lake city tom i just got back i Did was you? fishing i was fishing near sundance oh with, th- with beautiful with a fr- friend of mine called randy Garn, and he took me out on the on the river there with a couple of guides and i caught three fish
1: well good for you saying you could probably <laughs> the the water was so clear you could probably watch them follow your line in that's yeah. how that's how, that's how great the fishing is up there so um provo canyon sundance it's it's, uh, it's great. Anyway, so I, I grew up there, um, spent a couple of years in France, uh, literally learning how to get rejected in French. Um, spent uh, two years uh, with my undergraduate degree at the University of Utah in accounting and another couple of years at the University of Texas for my graduate degree in accounting and tax. Spent seven years with Ernst & Young. Um, three years in their national tax office, four years as the in-house tax advisor for a Fortune One Thousand company, um, <laughs> twenty-five years building CPA firms. Um, this including and while I was there, it's fourteen years as an adjunct professor in the Master's of Tax program at Arizona State University. Spent. Uh, the uh, last 10 or 15 years, I spent a lot of time on the road with Mr. Robert Kiyosaki of Rich Dad, Poor Dad fame. We've traveled all over the world, including London, including you know, Warsaw, Poland, including uh, Bucharest. I mean, literally all over the world. And uh, and then uh, right now I'm building, a, we have a network of CPA firms that we train around uh, in the U.S. and Canada. We're actually looking to expand into the U.K. Awesome. Um, within the next uh, year or two. And, uh, we're, we're, uh, working on chain on, on, uh, completely, uh, revolutionizing a profession, which it needs sorely to be revolutionized.
0: I didn't want to say that, but you said it. So that's good. And, and the other, the, <laughs> the other thing is also it's, like the credit the credibility of me saying we're gonna we're just gonna talk about tax. Everything you just said there was about how how you are an expert in this stuff, right? So we are just gonna talk about tax for an hour. Well, we?
1: I, I I mean, if you <laughs> add it all up, I'm like 112. So I oh. I, I I literally uh, I I do have uh, 40 plus years doing this stuff, and I, and I do love it. It's it's actually a lot of fun. Do
0: you know what I, I, I joke around, but as a as a topic of incredible importance to the people listening to this show, as I said beforehand, we've got business owners of of some pretty substantial companies who listen to this regularly and reach out. We've got a lot of investors from VC to private equity to all of that. Sure. And one of the things that comes up a lot is is the concept around estate planning. So mm-hmm. when I work with my clients, it's all about exits. And a lot of them are right. not at all prepared. I mean, they might have an eight or nine figure business, Tom, but they 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 haven't, for whatever reason, got advice on how they can leverage their position around tax when they're at that point. So it'd be good to to go backwards and forwards a little bit on that today as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, uh, the interesting thing is we're, as business owners, we're really good at running our business and we tend to be so narrowly focused on our business. We tend to be terrible about the rest of our financial life. So uh, that's one of the things we do is we, we, we really always want to look at, well, what about the rest of your financial life? What are you going to do with the money once you sell your business? What are you going to do? Um, you know, what do you want your kids to get? Do you want them to get all your money? Do you want it to go to charity? Do you want it to go to the government? Where do you want it to go? So that's the estate planning side. It's a, it's a big deal. Plus, um, before you exit, you can actually reduce your taxes if you do your estate planning before you exit rather than wait until after.
0: Yeah, that's, that's the piece that, you know, when I go in to do exit strategy, which is normally around, on average, about 36 months before we will take a, a business and put it on the market, Quite often, we talk about, you know, you need a good m a lawyer. You need um, a good CFO, for example, to cut the numbers and make sure that everything's working. But a lot of these people don't have that wealth advice. So well, what I'd like to, to start with, if we can, because you mentioned it beforehand, is about the profession. Let's say the accountancy profession needs to change,
1: yeah.
0: what, what, evolve, progress. What, what do you mean by that?
1: How about transform? Uh, <laughs> I like that word, no, too. that's equally as good. That, 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 so what, what's happened over the last 20 years, um, 20, 30 years is the accounting profession has done a lot of, um, just like a lot of businesses, right? A lot of aggregation. So now what you have is you have a lot of chain accounting firms and they do, they have a really big menu for, an, and they charge a mediocre price and they give a mediocre product. And mostly what they want to do is they want to get, they want to get their work in and out the door because that's how, right? It's turned right? Just like in any business, it's turn. How fast can you turn, turn the inventory? And in this case, the inventory are the clients. And so what, what happens is, is you end up um, I, with a bunch of firms that I, I, I gently refer to as cheesecake factory firms, because they're just, they've got a cheesecake factory menu and cheesecake factory prices. And, you know, frankly, cheesecake factory quality, nothing against cheesecake factory, but you don't go to cheesecake factory if you want the best in the world you know you're you're going to go to a local restaurant that is well known and that it's hard to get into well that's pretty much the same way with cpa firms if you really want a great cpa firm you want a Local firm that is hard to get into because they have so much business they're turning away business, and what what we're trying to do is give those boutique CPA firms some systems um, to use. But the the real problem is that CPAs for years, CPAs, charter accountants, um, for years and years they've been so focused on compliance and just following the rules that they never focus on how do I actually help my client make more money? And in in my case, you know, I do it through reducing taxes, but when you think about it, nobody knows your financial situation better than your CPA and uh, your CPA is going to be independent, um they are on your on your side, and so i th- I think they have good intentions. I just think they just don't have the right tools and they've just not got the right mindset, um, really, to be focused on how do I become the best investment my client makes
0: yeah, and and it's it's interesting because you get a level of technical expertise, right, but doesn't necessarily mean you are entrepreneurial enough to build a business. That can actually deliver what you just said. So you know, because some of the some of the points were really about how do you scale, right? So I might right. be the best that I am at a domain expertise in an accountancy and CPA, but if I can only work with a few clients, and then if I spread myself too thin, the quality reduces. That doesn't really serve anybody. So I'm curious, h- how are you helping that then? So what what is your business or your your mission around that? How are you helping these people become so, more premium? So what
1: uh, we do a couple of things for them. Um, First of all, we're helping them understand what they need to do internally to be able to increase that capacity. But then we're actually filling the capacity for them. So we have so much demand for what we do because our view of taxes is so different from the rest of the world. We look at taxes as a series of incentives, not a punishment. And so if, if, if you, if you have that kind of different view, you have a lot of people saying, well, you know, my CPA doesn't do that. And, you know, can I come with one of your CPAs? And so what, you know, our biggest challenge is enough CPAs to fulfill, you know, the demand that we have. So they don't have to do marketing and sales, which is good because they're horrible at it just terrible at marketing and sales. Um, they, they think meeting with attorneys and having lunch with attorneys and financial planners is the way to market. I'm going, that is, it's just such a horrible, horrible idea. Um, so, and so we take care of that for them. But then on top of that, we're helping them learn how to scale and learn how to build their, uh, build their business and actually even handle their employees, how to bill. You know, I mean, we've been billing by the hour for 150 years, and it's the dumbest way in the world to build your services. Um, you know, the attorneys will never figure that out, but they the um, except except for, of course, the uh, the attorneys that are ambulance chasers, right? They figured it out they take a percentage
0: you see them on billboards all over the place
1: <laughs> exactly exactly they they take they figured out it's this is that that billing by the hour is a ridiculous way to do it. it it's how much a billing by the hour just says well if i'm really bad then i get to charge more because i'm gonna it's gonna take me five times as long as somebody else so Why would, why would, I mean, you never, you wouldn't pay Apple by the hour of how long it took them to build your iPhone. So why are you paying, why are you paying your accountant by the hour? You're
0: upsetting me now. Okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest (laughs) and vulnerable. So, so literally I I was doing some research on you, Tom, before you came on the show, right? So I knew we were going to kind of get into this, but serendipitously, I get, I get an email from my accountant today. They're going to hate this. I'm not going to say who they are. And they're saying, sorry, sorry, Mr. Bradley, but the VAT, so the, the, basically the yep. tax that we pay on yep. services okay. here, you know, that's yep. about, yeah, exactly. Um, it's taken us 40 hours this period to do. And it's like, what the hell that's, that's quite a lot of money. In fact, I'm paying more in the processing of my VAT yes. than the VAT payment.
1: That's <laughs> right?
0: So, so I've gone back and, and I, and I sort of, we're in the conversation right now, this is totally live. Of, so what's the hourly rate that I'm paying on this, All right? So it's kind of like everything you're just saying is my experience of about three hours ago. So how do I fix well, that, Tom? <laughs> the,
1: the, the, there you go. So so that that is actually part of the problem. Part of the problem is clients don't know how to be better clients. Um, and I've actually had people tell me that. Um, I, I've I've spoken at events and I've had the organizer of the event, the head of the event, call me and say, Hey, I was going to come to you, but I thought, you know what? I haven't been a good client. And I went to my accountant and I said, so what can I do to be a better client? So, I mean, here's something you can do literally Nick is you can go to your account and say, okay, it took you 40 hours. Why? What uh, is there something that I can do or that my team can do so that doesn't take you 40 hours? And second of all, Instead of charging by the hour, could we figure out a way to just charge me by the month? Okay. Just charge me a flat fee. Here's the the value of what we're doing for you, regardless of how much time it takes you, because the value clearly can't be your time. It's got to be a, a value of the return itself.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like, and you're 100 percent right. I, I, I'm probably not the easiest client, because, uh, because partly I'm, I'm sort of asking for things, and I'm a little bit chaotic when it comes to this stuff because I don't particularly enjoy it, right? So you, you, this might end up being, a co- it might be a coaching session for me. Um, you but you're right. I can absolutely ask that question, and I think it'll, it'll land on, on ears that are very um, appreciative.
1: I, I, of I, me taking I, that I, approach. I, you know what? I'm sure they are. I mean, it's like, like I said, I think that accountants really want to do well by their clients. Um, that I think that's universal. I think it's a mm-hmm. great profession. I think accountants want to do the right thing for their clients. I think that they don't always know what the clients want. And I don't think they always focus on, okay, what is it really, what's really my job? And my job is to increase my client's bottom line. That is yep. my job. And if I'm not increasing my client's bottom line, what am I doing here? Let's um
0: let's delve into this a little bit because I think it's going to be helpful for people listening. Um what what sort of I'm going to say what sort of questions but if I want to get the the most amount of value from my accountant or CPA what are some of the things that I should be asking them or what are some of the things that I should be expecting?
1: Uh, well, the first thing you should be expecting is for them to ask you the questions, not for you to ask them the questions. That's, okay. that's number one. Um, I, I, the number one job of a, an advisor is to ask questions. Now, if you go to a doctor, um, cause you've got a pain in your side, you, he doesn't spend 15 minutes telling you about his degrees. He, he, he asks you, spends 14 minutes telling, asking you questions and then says, oh, you have this here, take this yeah. and write you a, a script, right? And uh, that's the way it should be with your accountant, with your attorney, whoever, whatever advisor you got, your financial advisor, they should be asking you questions. So um, if you have to ask them questions, you might want to think about a different accountant, frankly. Um, So that's number one. Um, And then there are questions you can ask. And then I think the, I, I actually think the best question I've ever heard somebody ask their accountant is, how can I be a better client? In other words, what can I do so that I can get more out of what you know and what you can do for me?
0: Yeah, okay, well, that's a good one. So everyone who's listening, take note of that, particularly if, uh, because you don't want to have an adversarial relationship, right, you don't want to get to a point where you're competing, you know, And, and I have seen that happen. I've seen it happen with, other professions as well professional advisors you know happens with lawyers as well Mm -hmm. um but you know you I love what you said beforehand that the number one role you know of the of the accountant or the CPA is to increase your bottom line right to increase you know the money that you're taking out of your business as efficiently and legally as possible so so that's cool let's let's get into some of the things here that we should be thinking about Um, and I'm very curious particularly around your new book as well around how we think about wealth creation by being better at um, leveraging accountancy. So take us through some of the stuff that you're working in around that.
1: Yeah. So, so first of all, you have to remember that the tax law, there's very little of the tax law that actually raises revenue. It's actually, and it doesn't matter whether you need the UK, the U S or frankly, um, uh, Czech Republic or China. Um, Most of the tax law, I mean, basically what they say is all income's taxable unless we say it isn't, nothing's deductible unless we say it is. And then they tell you what the rates are, right? That's And then everything else is really, but what, what most people don't come to recognize is that the governments have been using um, for about the last 60 years, especially, since about in the 1960s, the government's been using the tax law as a way to manipulate the economy. So for example, it, um Nobody really dreams of living in government housing, right? I mean, that's not like, oh boy, that's what I want to do when I grow up. I want to live in government housing. Um, and the government doesn't want to really build housing. What the government says is, well, look, if we give a little tax incentive to investors, um, then they'll build the housing because we'd really prefer that they build the housing. Uh, they're better at it. Um, we get to leverage uh the government funds because the government's only giving a small incentive, but they, and then, of course, the investors, they build the housing. And not only do the people who live in the housing pay taxes, but uh, the investors e- eventually pay taxes because they start making revenue. And of course, rent's not deductible, but the rental income is taxable. So that's a good news for the government. So, you know, the the point of my my book, The Win-Win wealth Strategy, is that this is a win-win for the government. So when the government gives them an incentive, it's not because you know, it's not because there's big loopholes or big lobbying or stuff like that. I mean, there is, but that's not the reason for it. what what they're trying to do is say, look, there's certain things we want done in the world. We want jobs. We want housing. We want energy. We want food. We want, um, we want security. Okay. Financial security. That's why yep. we have pension plans. Okay. So there's certain things we want done. And we, we understand that if we give a little incentive, what's been shown over the last 60 years, if we give a little tax incentive. People hate paying taxes. So if you give a little tax incentive, there's some emotion, emotional pull there as well as financial pull. And they go, well, wait a minute, this increases my rate of return because I'm not paying taxes now. So now I've got more incentive to do what the government wants done, like build housing, like create jobs, like create technology, things like that. So um, it's really looking for those areas what does the government really want done? How do I best actually match what I'm doing with what the government wants me to do and the way the government wants me to do it? And then if it all fits together, which is what your tax advisor's for, to help you fit it all together, well, then I can get all the, I can maximize my tax benefits, meaning that I pay less and less tax. And at the same time, I'm doing good in the world. So, you know, I I always say that if you want to, if you really want to be, um, pay a, a lot less tax, then you need to build more wealth and do more good in the world. And that's how you pay less tax. And,
0: and in your book, you talk about seven investments that are effectively, or as you say, the government will pay you to make.
1: Absolutely. So,
0: so let's talk about, I want to talk about each of those because I think it's important. The question absolutely. before we do that though is, if, if the priorities are changing, Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously there were going to be some generic things that are always there like jobs, right. Housing, all those sort of things, right. but, but the, you know, we've just had a situation here in the UK, which we'll talk about a little bit. If you followed that recently, where there's a decision being made on tax incentives and whatever else, yep. and all of a sudden the, the pound has died. Um, yep. h- are the investments that you're suggesting always universal or how do you keep up with the changes in policy making and prioritization to make sure that that's relevant?
1: Well, part of it that part of that is really the job of your accountant. Okay, they should be keeping. (laughs) I was also making.
0: I I was trying to make sure that your book had longevity as well.
1: (laughs) So, so, but, but when you look at the categories, I mean, you know, look at the seven investments. So we have business, technology, um, we have uh, real estate, we have um, energy, we have agriculture, we have uh, insurance, actually, and then we have retirement. Well, those are forever, right? I mean, those have always been. Government government incentivized and always will be government incentivized. So um, th- what happens is we get a shift, for example, on the energy side. So we've had huge government incentives for the last 60 years in oil and gas development in the US. Okay, well, those are shifting. Now they haven't, they haven't we haven't lost the oil and gas incentives. Uh um, curiously enough, we have not lost those. But at the same time, now we have big solar wind hydrogen, um, even nuclear, um, which is new, um, nuclear tax and ins- incentives to build nuclear plants, um, which is uh which is curious because you know, so long been, you know, no, you can't talk about that cr- kind of stuff, even though it's really clean and really efficient energy. Um, but what what happens is that they just shift. I mean, it, it, they're small shifts, right? I mean, shifting from oil to um solar is not a huge shift. You're still talking about energy. And, you know, now you're talking about, okay, well, oil, I can only do if I go drill an oil well. Okay, that's hard. But solar, I can put panels on my, on my rental property, or I can put panels on my business. I can, you know, I can do solar so many other places It actually expands the opportunities um, for doing some things the government wants done. And at the same time, uh, you know, reducing taxes and, and uh clean up the environment if uh if, if that's what you want to do
0: so I've just had that um that experience just to share it with you so um we've gone well my car's electric and my wife's car is about to mm-hmm. be electric because my accountants gave us some very <laughs> good information on the incentive and the incentives are great right I had to buy the thing they, brand new and, awesome. it and all yep. that um I assume that's uh similar or there are similar schemes mm-hmm. in the US For as sure. well um but that's one And I'm pretty sure that I'm probably not leveraging all of the opportunities. So thousands, well, this is, yeah. So, so let's, where do we start with that? So let's say for example, I come to you and I know obviously you're not doing this stuff necessarily, but you're advising the CPAs and helping Mm -hmm. them set up to understand some of these things. Um, and I said, I want to maximize, um, tax efficiency to build wealth. I, obviously I don't want to spread bit on thousands of things, but I want right. to be able to be, I want to be maximizing the opportunities.
1: For sure. Where do we start with that conversation? You know, I, I always start with the question, what are you gonna do with your money? That that that's the number one question that your advisor should be asking you because how you, you never want the tax tail to wag the investment dog. All right. Mm-hmm. So we don't we don't want to do something for tax reasons. We're doing it for because it makes sense investment wise, it makes sense for our business. Uh, Cause you know, I mean, we could hire tons of people and have show no profit in our business and we pay no tax, right? I mean, okay, so if you wanna pay no tax, I, I can solve that for you really easily, but that's not really what you're trying to solve. You're trying to solve, how do I have a more cash available to put back into my business, for example? or to invest somewhere else or to do something that I want to do. So um, you always start with, okay, how are you going to use your money? Because let's say, for example, you come to me and say, well, I'm going to put all my money back into my business. I'm going, great. We can do, we'll focus all of our attention on your business and putting your money back in your business and making sure that every dollar you put in your business is tax deductible against the business income, um, whether it's equipment, whether it's uh, a current expense, whatever it is, we'll just make sure that we maximize that tax benefit there so that you're doing what you want to be doing anyway. You're maximizing your return on investment. But then take, take the like, say, the online, um, uh, a retailer, right? Well, they don't have the, There's only so much money they can put back in their business because there's only so much inventory they can buy. Right. So they're not putting all their money back in their business. Then you go, okay. So once you've maxed out how you can grow your business, which is always your number one investment, what can you do? What are you going to do with the rest of your money? And I would tell you that 90% of people don't know. 90% of business owners have no idea what to do with their money when they are done putting it back into their business and done spending it. Now, what do I do with this excess? I've got a million dollars sitting over here. What am I gonna do with it? So what we do is actually, we actually help them figure out what type of investing, what class of investing might be best for them. I'm I'm not a fan of this idea that I wanna spread it thin and uh, uh, because you can't be good at all of it. So I'm a yeah. I'm a big fan of getting good at one thing. And that includes getting good at one type of investing. So, like I've tried real estate, I've tried stock investing, I, I've I've tried oil and gas, I've tried all these. I I and you know I I come back to I'm going to put my money into business because that's what I love, I love business, so I put my money into building businesses. Okay, well that's different than if somebody says, well I want to put my money into real estate. Okay, well if you want to put your money into real estate, we have to do it this way, and this is how that happens. So the accountant's job is to work with the attorney and the other advisors. And make sure that however you're going to invest your money, you do it in such a way to maximize your tax benefits. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it.
0: And I like what you said there before about um, going deep into one lane as opposed to trying to spread because, I mean, I'm the same as you. I I like acquisitions. I like to buy businesses and grow businesses, scale them, exit them, right? And probably second to that is real estate. But I have a lot of people I, I know in my network who spread bet across the, the latest fad, whatever right. that is. So, you know, crypto here or a startup over there, all this sort of stuff. Yep. Um, and, and, and it's quite interesting to watch what happens there most of the time, not all the time, because I've got some examples of people who have done very well out of some of that. Um, most of the time, the money kind of goes away mm-hmm. <laughs> and the investment doesn't turn into any major return, if a return at all. So I just wanted to reiterate that point for people listening, because people ask me all the time, how do you invest? And I say, listen, I'm not advising this. I'm just telling you that I I know one lane because I've done it for years. Yep. I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. So I stick in that lane. Uh,
1: I, if you look at the wealthiest people in the world, that's what they've done. They've stuck in one lane. Um, you know, Jeff Be- Bezos didn't make his money in the stock market. He make, made his money with Amazon and Elon Musk didn't make his money in uh, in, in, in um, retail uh, groceries. He made his money in cars, well, batteries and, and energy in particular, clean energy in particular. But, you, you know, if you look at the people who've really, you go, okay, well, let's look at somebody who's really successful. Mm, they didn't spread it all over the place. You spread it when you when you've made the money. Yep, and you want to protect exactly. it that's that's when you need to look at diversifying and that kind of stuff and you know you look at stocks bonds that kind of stuff but um most people aren't going to make a lot of money in the stock market frankly um right now they're losing a lot of money in the stock market um and it yeah it'll come back um eventually but you know the problem is is that you're out of control if you're not in control in other words you don't know how to trade the stock market or you don't know how to use you know covered calls and things like that then you're pretty much at the whims of, uh, you know, the central bank, you're the whims of the government, you're the whims of, of wall street. And you know, why would you want to do that? I mean, especially if you're an entrepreneur here, you are an entrepreneur, you're completely in control of your life in your business. And then you completely give up control of all the money you make from your business. I I just, I I don't understand. I I just, it it doesn't make
0: sense, but I also think it comes back to um, maybe programming, right. Or the expectation of what you should do. So because because i see this all the time people they grow a business they make a reasonable amount of money from that business and then they think they just put, need to put it into a mutual fund or they need to put right. it into some form of investment trust or whatever else because that's what their parents did or that's right. what you see what i mean And then it was interesting i was in um i mentioned before about this um event that i was in last week where one of the topics we talked about was maybe slightly controversial but i quite like the uh, connotation is taking control of your cash right the oh, idea sure. that that you know you're the best person to choose where you invest
1: right thank you i right. love that 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 that's that's literally our mantra is that that the, the great lie is wall street's lie and wall street's lie is uh, investing is too complicated you need to turn your money to, over to us we're the experts yeah they're the experts at taking your money and making sure they get good returns on it they're really good at that um but the reality is you you know the average person money is not that difficult it's just not that hard once you get down to the basic concepts which is why rich dad poor dad's the most popular mm, financial book, book of all time is because it's very simple concepts. And uh it's 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 not that hard to learn about money, it's not that hard to invest your money, especially if you stay in one lane. Right? Especially if you say, "Well, I'm just going to do multifamily real estate. I'm just going to do um I'm, just, I'm I'm just I'm literally going to do uh solar energy." That's what I want to invest in. I want to invest in solar energy. I mean, look at Elon Musk. He's got. He says, "I, I want to change, you know, the 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 emissions in the world." I, that's his. That's his mission in life. And so, what does he do? He focuses on batteries. You know, even even his SpaceX program has that that part of his mission. So, you know, when you when you really stay focused, that's when you really start uh, making money. And frankly, it's a lot more fun because. You want to find something. I think you want to find something to invest in that you enjoy. I yeah. think it's a mistake to chase a return.
0: Oh, I agree. I agree. And and that's and and some of the people that I um I have helped exit their companies, we then collaborate actually and and look at ways that we can go and invest awesome. in businesses, right? And and sort right. of almost it's kind of like a new way of thinking of a fund. It's not a fund, but it's kind of like a co-investments group. Sure. Right. But yeah. but it's it's built around people getting together who have an interest in business that have had some degree of success, who want to a go and help others, but at the same time get a return for the enjoyment of that um, ability as much as anything else. And I I, I just I, I think more people need to hear that message because you don't just have to lock mm-hmm. your money away in a bank. Well, actually, don't right. do that. Right. Um, but but also you know you can have more control. You don't have to be scared of of money. Right. So that takes me onto a topic that I I'd just like to get your thoughts on, which is, which is money mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and the context of, cause you're dealing with obviously both sides of that. You're dealing with the people who are advising, but also the people who are getting the advice. Right. What are your thoughts on money mindset? And, and oh, if my people, yeah, I just want to hear your perspective.
1: <laughs> so I, you know um, you know, how you think about money is going to, completely determine how much money you have, right? Most people chase money away, mm. right? Because yes, they're, yes. they're seriously, because being rich is bad. Um, root of all evil is, you know, money is the root of all evil. Um, you know, there's there's this, you know, huge Puritan concept, you know, behind money that money is, uh, you know, money will corrupt, uh, you know, you know, money, you know, corrupts people. And so, how you look at money? I mean, I I look at people who are wildly successful investors. I, I, you know, and they're very public about it, so I can talk about it. Robert and Kim Kiyosaki, very public about their investing. They built an entire. Business about their success, and what I what's interesting with them is they're a good example of that. They made a lot of money in the big downturn in the real estate market in 1990 in in the in the US. They they made money during the big downturn in 2008 nine and ten. So they're actually looking for downturns. That's what they're looking for, but they're very focused on real estate. So their investing is very focused in uh, it's very heavily focused in real estate. That's what they like. That's what they're good at. And uh, that's what they do. And so, you know, I, you don't ever hear Robert talking about, Oh, you know, I've got my money in this fund or this fund or this fund. Cause he goes, I don't own any stocks. I don't own stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. I don't like stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. What he doesn't like is he likes being in charge. He likes being in control of what he's doing and he, and he, and you can be control of, assets that you're managing or assets that are with people that you are comfortable with the people who are managing it yeah
0: that makes total sense and i think the thought that comes to mind there is there's a confidence that comes from knowledge experience for sure. exposure so so is your advice then i don't want to put words in your mouth but is your advice for people just to take a bit more control over that educate themselves
1: for sure, the, the the most important money you'll ever spend is going to be uh, money that you spend on yourself and your education. There's no question about that. That's and and you know, um, Roberts had a huge impact. I mean, not just because you know once he became my a client of mine and I started traveling with him. Obviously, I I I got to tag along to his brand, um, but also um, more so because he's changed my financial mindset completely. Um, I, I I don't think I'd ever gotten to what we're doing right now with a, uh, you know we have 60 cpa firm firms on our network and we think we can have 500 to a thousand within the next few years um i i don't think that i would have ever done that frankly um had he not changed the way i start thinking about money so that, that so what I, is that I, though think, is that is that thinking bigger
0: or just the fact that you, you 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 can step into something more than maybe you're you were you were evaluating yourself as
1: beforehand I, I actually think it's more um I'm okay being rich. Oh wow. And I, wow. I actually, really I, I think that's a big deal. That's I think cool. that's a big deal. I think a lot of people are not okay with that. And and you know, I grew up very comfortable middle class. I mean, I, I didn't have hardships when I was young at all. Um, I grew up very comfortable, middle class you know, on the east side, you know, in Salt Lake's the east bench. And this is where the, the the upper middle class lived. And we were very comfortable. My dad had a good printing business, had 40, 50 employees and did very, you know, did we were very comfortable. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's a whole different mindset from having, being comfortable to being I'm um, a lot more than comfortable and, 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 am I okay? One of the, one of the questions that I asked, had to ask myself early on in my career is, am I willing to be famous? Now I, I don't have a goal to be famous. I've never had a goal to be famous. It's not part of who I am, but am I willing to be mm. famous? And, and I think that's, am I willing to be rich? Am I willing to have money? Uh, you know, are there good things? One of the things that, uh, that I did with this book, win, win wealth, is I want to give people permission. You know, people are so concerned about well, I'm I'm bad if I don't pay tax. Well, you're bad if you cheat on your taxes. You are okay, so don't do that. Um, But you're you're not bad simply by the fact that you pay less tax because the government you're doing things the government wants you to do. I mean, how is that bad if you're if you're building housing for other people and getting a tax benefit for? for that how's that bad if you're if you're creating jobs and getting tax benefits for creating jobs or technology and getting uh tax credits and tax benefits like in the UK and and France and Singapore and South Africa I mean a lot of countries have much better tax benefits for technology than the US US has very little tax benefit for technology um but if if I'm getting tax benefits for that you know is Elon Musk bad because te- he didn't pay tax for you know a you know 20 years of Tesla. Is, is Jeff, is Jeff, is Jeff Bezos bad because he didn't pay tax? No, they, they couldn't have done what they'd done if they'd had to pay tax while their businesses were losing money. They so couldn't this have
0: done is, it. This opens up another angle that I was um, just considering as you were thinking, which is back to, um, you know, how we talk about your environment is everything, right? So, so, mm-hmm. you know, and certainly, certainly that your immediate environment, For sure. people you hang out with, there's definitely in the UK, I, I see it probably more, I'm sure it happens in the US as well. This idea that, you know, all these really rich people don't pay taxes and they're bad. Right. That's right. the that's the populist view that and the media the populist view. and mm-hmm. the media doesn't help, right? That idea. Right. Let let's debunk that a little bit for a couple of minutes.
1: Oh, can we? Thank Please, you. Let's let's just that, do this. that. Because
0: I think I think we need to sort of understand that because I think it's such a big message, which may actually back to your point around it's okay to be rich or it's okay to build wealth. It might be actually stopping some people wanting to step into something they could create because they just don't want to be surrounded by that stigma.
1: Uh, for sure, for sure. Uh, first of all, um, I I think entrepreneurs are the lifeblood of the world, mm, right? Yes. We we wouldn't have iPhones, we wouldn't have computers, we wouldn't have um, we 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 wouldn't have Amazon deliveries, we wouldn't. Or Zoom, it, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be doing Uber. this.
0: We wouldn't be doing this right now. We'd be we like... wouldn't be
1: doing this right now. We wouldn't have Zoom, right? If, if it were not for entrepreneurs, I mean, I'm sorry, but you know, wealth is created by the mind, not by the hands. Mm. Okay. Hands are important. Don't get me wrong. labor is important, but uh, wealth is created by your mind. And so, um, you know, how much, what you're going to do for the world. So first of all, the fact that you make money on it, this is, (laughs) this is a challenge I've got. This is a super challenge. I've got the, the fact you make money on it does not, does not make it a bad thing to do. Right. Um, Can you, I mean, imagine in the U S especially if we had to live through that two years of pandemic without Amazon, with, with, you know, without Uber eats, without, you know, with, without people delivering food to our door. I mean, I'm, we had a lot of food delivered to our door. We had a, you know, a lot of things delivered. We didn't, you didn't go into shops were shut down, the government shut them down. How are you going to get, how are you going to get your basics? Well, you get it. Well, how? Well, because we've had entrepreneurs who've created technologies that allow us to do that. That's why. Okay. So we should, first of all, we should be celebrating the entrepreneurs and their success rather than criticizing entrepreneurs and success. Um, Because without those entrepreneurs, we don't, I mean, the same people who are complaining, Nick, the same people are complaining about Jeff Bezos being rich are the people who made Jeff Bezos rich right? I mean, that's, think that's the it.
0: interesting paradox, right? Isn't it? <laughs> is, Isn't is it? They, you know, it's very easy to sit there and say, you know, I, I can't stand that person or I don't like Elon right. Musk, but then everyone drives a Tesla. It's like,
1: okay, well, you know. <laughs> well, it, exactly. I mean, uh, literally here's two guys who've completely changed the world, right? And are billionaires as a result. So that's the first thing is that the fact that you're making money, making money doesn't make you bad. That's actually, just an incentive, um, and it's just a reward. It's and and mm-hmm. it's and I would I would guarantee that for those guys, uh, as an example, that's not the re, the most important reward to them. It's the byproduct, isn't it?
0: Because I was um, I had it, a guy a guy on the podcast recently called Naveen Jain. Now, um, you may have heard of him before, and he's he's a billionaire. He's been involved in some big things at the moment. He's working for a company called Viome, um, I believe it's called, which is effectively uh, making How's he put it? Making uh, disease preventable, like basically oh curing cancer and stuff. That's it's an incredible awesome. business. But he's, the reason I bring it up is, um, you know, I've had a few billionaires on the show, but you know, not heaps. Um, and and I asked him, I said, "What's the difference between someone yeah. who becomes a billionaire versus a millionaire or, or rich or wealthy?" And he said, "We just solve bigger problems." Yeah, you know, you know, I with the no, ask ask bigger questions, solve bigger problems, and the yeah. byproduct of of the success around that is as you said the recognition the reward which may one part of it is money
1: yeah so so one of the uh one of the great minds of the 20th century was buckminster fuller right geodesic dome and, and other uh, amazing inventions and and he's one of my favorite quotes from bucky fuller is the more people i serve the more effective i become so you know somebody asked me yesterday said you know they were, we were talking about podcasts and you know monetizing podcasts and i don't the monetization is the least important thing to me i'm going it's reach how many people can i reach how how can i get that message out there money's a byproduct and we shouldn't we shouldn't criticize that money is the byproduct and don't get me wrong there are people out there that are about the money okay and there are bad rich people but there are bad poor people too Okay, let's face it, those are, you know, they're called, commonly called criminals. It's just that they're rich people criminals and they're poor people criminals and they're just different types of criminals, white collar, blue collar, whatever you wanna call them. Um, they're still criminals, but you know, that doesn't mean that the rest of that group are criminals and it very well may be that they're just, like you say, solving a bigger problem. The, the flip side of that is, it's the same thing with paying less tax. How can rich people pay less tax? Well, by definition, rich people are going to pay less tax because the way the tax law works in every country is the more money you make, the more taxes you pay. But the more wealth you build, the less tax you pay. So- oh, wow. as,
0: I've never heard that before. Can you just say that again?
1: The more money you make, yeah. the more tax you pay. So the more money you earn, the more yeah. tax you pay. The more wealth you build, the less tax you pay. So basically what's happening is any money that you spend or save is going to be taxed. Any money you earn that you spend or save, it's going to be taxed, but any money that you invest is not going to be taxed. Okay. That's no, that, because that, it,
0: that I've never heard that said before. Like, and, and not in the way, maybe not as simplistically as you've said it, this is, this is incredible. So, wow. So basically, so, cause I was going to ask them the definition of wealth in, in the context of what you said. and And I take it, it's, it's the investment side of that. It's what you invest it, in.
1: It, it is. And, and it's, and it's real investment. It's not derivative investment. Okay. I'm, I'm not a big fan of wall street. You probably gathered no, I, by I've now.
0: got that. We've, we've okay.
1: That. <laughs> 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 because that's just derivatives, right? I mean, th- that's not real investment. What, what you're doing when you go into a, a company, you know, and you actually help the company scale, Yeah. right? Then that's real investment. You're actually building the employment base, the job base, you're building um, what they're capable of, you're building, how many people's problems they can solve, and how big the problem is they can solve, right? That's what you're doing. And and so what, what happens is, is that when you put money into that real investment, whether it's real estate, energy, agriculture, or business, or technology, any one of those five, when, when that's where your money's going, what the government's saying is, well, look, We're not going to tax you on that capital because if we do, we're going to restrict the flow of capital.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. And and what, okay. Sorry. you keep. We're going to
1: tax you once you start making the money, then we'll start taxing you. And that's their investment. And mean you think about it this way, everybody's a partner with the government. You don't get to choose that. Everybody's a partner with the government unless you live in, you know, um, Dubai, but then again, you submit Dubai or, you know, (laughs) yeah. Or, or, uh, you know, well, you are you are still you are still partnering with the
0: government you're just doing it in different ways <laughs>
1: you're just doing different way. exactly um and so 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 you're a partner with the government so your choice you can be a silent partner which is most people or you can be an active partner okay so mm-hmm. if you're an active partner you're investing in a core core societal investments i'll call them okay yeah. core societal investments housing energy etc and when you start making money now the government's put in some money on the front end but the government also gets a share of the money on the back end so they're just they're just uh they're just an investment partner with you that's all they are and once you start looking them as an investment partner and then you go well wait a minute so you're saying that they actually make money on these investments they're making and absolutely they're making money i mean amazon is now paying tax and they pay billions of dollars in tax apple pays billions of dollars in tax Elon Musk last year paid billions of dollars in tax. So eventually, it's it's just an investment. The government's just investing. So they're winning on this. Don't don't for a second believe that the government is giving money away. They're not. They give money away in social programs. They don't give them money away in business programs. The money that goes into business comes back to them by return on investment. Yeah,
0: I get that. And also because I've always loved the the thought that the money. Um, in many ways is a flow of energy, right? So if you block mm-hmm. that, if you block that flow, exactly. then that's gonna cause issues like anything does. It's like, you could even argue, you know, if you block your your body, like your system of your body, that right. causes disease, right? Same, exactly. sort of, same sort of concept. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Again, I, the good thing about our conversation, Tom, is you express these things in ways I haven't heard before. And I've heard a lot <laughs> in my private equity, but then I think sometimes in those sort of environments, we're kind of the worst people, right? Because we kind of hold on to complexity because it makes right. it confusing for most people. And then we can kind of do the whole sort of, you know, <laughs> sleight of hands, The magic thing. trick. The exactly. magic trick. Yeah. The sleight of hand. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Like what I'd like to do. Um, and again, we've, we've, we've been talking for a while now. So this has been a good conversation. All right, good. I would like to get your thoughts because I'm conscious also, there are a lot of people who listen to this show that are, that are at early stages as well of their business. But, in terms of not so much tax mitigation mm-hmm. but wealth creation right, right? just to, to have a distinction in that sure what are some of the strategies that you consider to be you you just have to understand them now like you, you they're almost like non-negotiables for anyone who's kind of trying to be more effective in building wealth and being more efficient
1: well uh, I, I do think the first thing you have to understand is that the biggest expense you've got is taxes so don't ignore that piece of it. Uh, it, it is a huge, huge portion of, um, of of the equation. It's not the equation, but it is a huge portion of the equation. Um, second of all, I, I think we talked about staying in your lane. Uh, I think that is, you know, I like the old saying, a niche will make you rich. Well, that is true, not just in business, that's true in investing. So if if we're working with a client that doesn't know where they're going to put their money, they're trying to decide, we're going to help them. Okay, so um, does real estate make more sense for you or does um, energy or does agriculture or does uh, business, you know, what makes the most sense for you where to put your money? Then some people, it is the stock market, frankly. Okay. And so then we have to look at that. Um, But then what we want to look at is, okay, so then get even more narrow. So one of the things we always tell people is, look, you come up with, if you look at the best investors in the world, and including take a Warren Buffett, who's probably the number one investor in the world. Um, And I guarantee you, Warren Buffett has a set of criteria that he uses for every investment. He's made one decision and he's applied that decision over and over and over again. And the difference between the I find between successful and failed investors is successful investors make a single decision, do it over and over again, and failed investors make a new decision every time they invest. So uh, you really do have to get so narrow in your focus that you're getting really good at it. I mean, I, I know guys who do two um, to 3% a month in the stock market, whether it's rising or falling. Okay. Well, they do that because they're really narrow. And, and in fact, they're narrow within the stock market. So they're doing a certain type of strategy and uh, for, and let's say, covered calls, for example. Um, w- one guy that I, I've met that's brilliant, he does covered calls on on, on dividend paying companies and only dividend paying companies. And, uh, and, and that's his niche. And he's always successful, even in a down market.
0: Yeah, it it comes back to what we said a little while ago about going deep versus going wide, Mm -hmm. doesn't it? Exactly, it does. And I think that does does challenge the concept of spread betting, this idea (laughs) that I have to be in diversified funds. Right. Right. So I suppose my final question on this, because again, I think it's just a natural um, build on what we just spoke about is, at what point does it make sense to diversify, Mm. right? So one thing that came to mind is, you know, sometimes people go after multiple streams of income, but you realize the way to build wealth is to, is to have one lane that works first before you diversify and, and start to build in any additional complexity. But when it comes to, I suppose, I've, I'm trying to build wealth for retirement, or I've, I want to create generational wealth. I don't want to lose what I've created, whatever, whatever that is. At what point in time should I start to spread that out?
1: Well, so the cool thing about working with entrepreneurs, this is why I love entrepreneurs, is every entrepreneur I've ever met is a dreamer right? There's always some kind of a dream. Okay. And they've got this picture in their mind, even if they haven't really formulated this picture in their mind. And we actually go through a process for them to dream and go, okay, what does that dream look like? Well, the reason we do this, we're accountants. So we're really good with numbers. Okay. And so what you have to do is you have to take that dream and you go, okay, what's that? That dream's going to cost money. How much is that dream going to cost? And we actually break down the cost of that dream. All right. Now, then what we do is we look at, okay, so where are you today? So we, we've got your current financial statements. Well, now it's just a matter. Of, okay. When do you want to reach that dream? What's, what, what's your time frame? Well, and I will tell you 98% of the time it's seven to 10 years. It's seven to 10 years for everybody. And I don't know why that's the magic number, but it is. Okay. It's, it's soon enough. I think it's early enough that they go, okay. It's not so far out that I'm going to ignore it, but it's, but it's close enough that I think that I can, you know, this is something worth working towards, right? Working 30 years out, that's not, I mean, nobody's gonna do that. So let, So they take seven, 10 years. Well, if you take that time frame, now it's just a math problem. Now it's just what kind of return on investment do I need? Okay, well, if, if that return on investment's 30%, I'm not gonna get that diversifying. If that return on investment is 3%, I'm done. That means I can now go diversify. So once we hit the dream, okay, now here's the problem with entrepreneurs is once we hit our dream, we get a bigger dream, right? So then we keep going. That's what we do. But but let's say you do hit that dream. And I've had people that came to me and I'm going, and and they've they've gone, we've gone through this whole exercise, and they and I said, you're done. Let's just take your money and diversify it. Because the whole point of diversification is to not lose money, right? Diversification is not about making money. The point of diversification if you look at diversification theory investment theory it's about not losing money okay that's the goal: is to not lose money well you if you don't want to lose money great then that means you've you've made it you, you you're done with your dream you don't want to do anything else you just want to sit back and retire you want to you know go to go to your island in the pacific and or the caribbean and you want to sit and drink you know and and, and drink pina coladas that's fine. Okay. If that's what your dream is, that's great. Now, like I said, the problem with most entrepreneurs is they'll hit that dream. And they'll go, Oh no, 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 no. I, I, I want to do more than that. I'm going, okay, well then let's, you know, but let's consistently have that target out there. So then we can actually have a better idea. Cause you know, for example, if, if you're creating your, the wealth, Directly, you're going to make a much higher return than you're if you're investing with somebody else, right? You, you buy at the factory versus buying wholesale versus buying retail, different prices. So what price do you want to pay? What price do you want to get on your return? So it's it's a very simple formula. It's not that hard. It's just sitting down with an advisor who actually, you know, cares about you and wants to walk you through it. You know,
0: there, there is such a symmetry and alignment between how we think about that with exit planning. So we do exactly the same thing. We say, what is cool. the number? where are you today in terms of valuation? Then we have the data, right? And then we sit there and say, okay, well now it's a maths problem. We need to work out yep. what what EBITDA do we need to build to, to be able to get the, uh, the market multiple that's gonna get you the number that you wanna sell your company for. Now, for sure. again, the same thing happens, right? As you said, entrepreneurs are dreamers. You know, I often say, get your first exit out the way get the cash, right? right. And there you then go. You can, then you can try to be a billionaire if right. you want to be one, but don't exactly. try and do the moonshot on the first one because it's, it, it makes a lot of sense. The psychology behind, um, money, right? In, in different right. ways is similar, right? The same thing, mm-hmm. even though there's for different sure. ways of approaching it. Wow. No, for sure. Mate, this has been awesome. Tom. So let, let's, it's let's been give it fun. Let's give a plug for your book. So it is the win-win wealth strategy. Uh, and I'm just going to go out and say that I haven't had someone on the show who's simplified this type of stuff and you, the way that you articulate it. So thank you. So I want to thank you for that. Um, where can people find the book? Is it out now,
1: um, Tom? Oh yeah, it's it's out. You can find it bookstores. You can find it uh, Amazon. I mean, I love Amazon, of course, because they sell <laughs> yeah, my Yeah, Amazon's books.
0: getting a good plug on this on this show today.
1: I'm 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 a huge I'm I'm a huge fan of what they've done to the marketplace because. Um, you know, my, like my first book, Tax for Wealth has been a bestseller for 10 years and, you know, it wouldn't be without an Amazon. It, it really wouldn't be because people don't go into bookstores that often, you know, they don't go looking for a tax book. Um, you know, but, but, uh, you know, my, my goal in life is to make taxes fun, easy, and understandable. So I, I appreciate, um, the, the feedback that it's, it's been simple. That's the goal. That's Not the good. goal. So win-win wealth strategy, it's out there. It's, uh, and you said, just
0: just so we can be clear, it covers, certainly in detail, 15 different I'm gonna countries. Say countries. Yep.
1: Right. So Perfect. we did charts and tables. It has 60 pages of end notes. So we've got all the details behind it, but it's got um, charts and tables. It's only about 180 page book. If you really think about the book without the end notes. And, um, and so it's a fairly simple book. It's just walking through business and technology and real estate and, and, uh, you know, the other investments, those seven investments, government pay bank. There is a, there is a, a fun chapter at the end, which is how to get the government to pay for your Ferrari. So, oh, um, and really, it's a true, it's a true As story. Opposed
0: to my- as opposed to my electric car, which isn't a Tesla, by the way. It, wow, it will okay. actually pay for that. your
1: electric. It would pay for your electric car too. So um, right. it'll pay for your electric Ferrari. They're making electric. They're, I saw that today. I saw that Ferrari. today. I saw it. It
0: yeah. really good. So
1: that's actually, <laughs> boy, talk about a fast car. That will be a fast car. Um, Cause nothing's faster than electric when you don't have gear shifts. Right? Well, that's right. And also it might um,
0: actually look good for once.
1: <laughs> and exactly. There you go. Right. There's the, there's the challenge with electric cars. Not exactly. Well, that's what Tesla did. Was right. They, they made actually a beautiful car in the Model S. So, um, but no, it's it. Uh, it's it's very simple stuff. Um, it's you know seven investments covers. We did charts and tables for fifteen countries. So it doesn't matter if you're in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Australia, um, all the English speaking. Plus we did some in Asia. We did some in South America, and we did um, a bunch in Europe. So, awesome. it applies all over the world. It's it's a it's amazing how consistent tax laws are throughout the world
0: yeah well I make sure that we um, will link that to the show notes and also if people want to reach out to you I've got um, tomwillwright.com is your website as well if they want to yeah get either
1: that or my company's website which is wealthability.com
0: awesome well listen as I said a pleasure speaking to you Tom I did start out by saying we're talking about the most exciting topic in the world which is tax and we kind of covered that but we went a little bit deeper and had a bit more we fun. Did. so thank you very much for gracing your presence on today's
1: show Oh, thank you so much. Really, absolutely a pleasure to be with you.
0: Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. If you enjoy the show just as much as I enjoy creating it for you, then I'd really appreciate you leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you never miss a future episode? It really helps me. It helps the show. Plus, it makes it easier for others to access the content that I'm producing week in and week out. And finally, if you want more information about anything you heard in today's show or to find out how you can get more help in scaling up your business and your life, click the link in the show notes now to learn about our coaching, mentoring, and mastermind programs. See you soon.